Hey guys, welcome to the Marriage Millennials Podcast. It is 6.55 p.m. on Tuesday, May 5th. Welcome back, and thanks again for listening. And if you're new, hey, we're your host, Rochelle. And Samuel Shoyola. And we're the creators of MarriageMillennials.com, where we help millennials see God's design for faith, smart dating, and marriage. Pretty much, we share tools for millennials to honor Christ before a spouse and with one, and prepare them for family if that is a current desire they have. All right, and before we get started, as always, we want to tell you where you can keep the convo going with us after the end of the podcast, as well as some housekeeping for the site. This will be posted on the site, marriageformillennials.com. So if you have any questions, feel free to comment below on that post, or you can also visit the Facebook page, backslash MF Millennials. Rose Twitter and IG handles are at Rochelle Shayola, and mine is at Samuel Shayola. So feel free to follow and talk with us there as well. Also, the podcast is on all listening outlets, so subscribe so that you won't miss an episode. Just type Marriage for Millennials in the search bar, and it'll pop right up for you. Last thing, if you've been following, or even if you haven't, there are a ton of cool things on the site, from workbooks to our free How to Change Your Love Life in 90 Days workbook, products, and more. So feel free to check those out as well. Alrighty, guys, let's Let's jump jump in. in. All right. Hey, guys. um, Welcome back to another podcast. Um, how you guys doing? How you holding up? Um, our state has pretty much, uh, reopened, so things are getting back to some type of normalcy, um, and we couldn't be happier. Um, I know that our friends have, like, already started sending us texts, like, hey, do you guys want to, like, get up in the next couple of weeks to, like, see each other? So, um, yes, it's almost time to be outside again. Um, We're still taking things slow, um, but, you know, we're definitely excited to begin the process of getting back into the swing of things, for sure. Yeah, and um, today's topic, our our topic for today is going to be, it's called the four vital C's of, uh, in marriage. Yes, you know we and, love uh, a, you know we love a a, a same letter list. <laughs> yeah, man, that alliteration is uh that, that's a Baptist thing. That's what we do. <laughs> you know we love the four P's and now, now the, four the four C's. C's. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, yeah. But yeah, so the four C's are um, consideration, confession, commitment, and change. And another podcast inspired. This is another podcast inspired by the uh, marriage conference that we went to with Paul Tripp. So we're excited to get into this, guys. Yep. All right, and before we get started, go ahead and uh, click on the subscribe button and share this podcast if you like our content and don't mind liking others liking it too. We love doing these podcasts for free, and all we ask is that you spread the love. I don't know about you, but I think that that's an offer you can't beat. <laughs> Thanks, bud. Um, all right, so let's get started. Okay, so if you haven't noticed... There's been pretty much a theme in the last couple of podcasts that we've done. Um, You know, obviously, we've been talking about marriage, um, but not in the typical, like, how to get your spouse to do whatever you want them to do kind of way that um, most marriage podcasts discuss marriage, right? Um, You know, we've been kind of talking about marriage in a way that is more self-reflective and speaks to you, really, more than it speaks to your spouse. Um, Why is that, right? Um... It's because we think, as much as we think we can or would like to, we can't control our spouses. Yeah. 
but you can control yourself. Yourself. Right? Um, a lot of times our arrogance will lead us to believe that, you know, if my partner would just do X, Y, Z, or if they just stop doing X, Y, Z, our marriage would just change for the better and we would just be great. And that's just not the right mindset to have, you know? Yeah, we're going to kind of unpack all of that as far as for why it's not the right mindset to have. Um, and, you know, I remember when we were going through premarital counseling and we were given this book called Tying the Knot by Rob Green. And um, uh, our premarital counselors, along with the book, would always make the point that um, you need to start the conflict with yourself. Um, and now we have failed at that like plenty of times, but uh, we're slowly getting in the hang of, uh, of, you know, definitely putting ourselves first in regards to, um, not selfishly putting ourselves first, but you know what I mean, in regards to uh, looking introspectively first before we start finger pointing. Right. That's we, what we've been doing. We definitely see the value in that um, as we are getting ready to almost complete our second year of marriage. Um, listen, guys, marriage was, was not designed to be comfortable. It was designed to be transformative. Yep. And so we always want to kind of teach grace-based marriages that walk you through marriage as opposed to walk away from it when tough situations arise. Okay. Okay. So we're going to jump into these four C's for you. Okay. All right, so the first one, like Sam said, was consideration. So here's a question you want to ask yourself as it pertains to consideration. What does God want my spouse to see that they are not seeing, and what is the best way that I can help them to see it? Yes. Um, well, first, to start this off, we definitely want to say that some things are meant to be overlooked, <laughs> right? And this is something that I had to learn um, while being married and just really being in relationships in general, like, you know, friendships included, like some things are meant to not be brought up. And, and I'm, and when I say this, I'm definitely talking about like the smaller things, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not saying like the huge things, you, there's just things that should be said that you just don't say, but like the small things, right? Like some things are just not necessarily necessary to bring to the table. Um, you know, and believe it or not, in some instances, this can be a really big help when you don't bring things up and you respond in the right way regardless. Why? Yep. Because, you know, grace can sometimes show your spouse um, what they need to be convicted, even mm -hmm. without you saying anything. Yeah. There, there are plenty of times when I literally have been shown grace by Roe, and I'm like, man, she would have... Back in the day, she would have ate me up on that. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it's there's 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 just things that you notice and and you and you're appreciative of because she's allowing or he's allowing, depending on who's the person who's the offending party, um, they're allowing the fluidity in your relationship to continue because you know having too much stop go stop go stop let's argue let's you know figure this out that can get cantankerous after after a while so right um, yeah. But, um, yeah, yeah. In the event that you must bring up an issue, though, yeah, how should you go about it, babe? You got to have wisdom. You got to have a wise tongue um, when you talk up with your spouse. You know, you got to be charitable. You got to be loving and, you know, not talk down to the person in a self-righteous manner. You know, I think we said this a couple podcasts ago, but we have a tendency to want to confront and show our wrath, uh, 
to be very godlike in our judgment. Like, to the gauntlet. Like, I, we have a joke where we yeah. always just kind of like, I'm, I'd be ready to send people to the gauntlet. To the gauntlet. <laughs> and, you know, you can't do that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we should go with the intent to reconcile and restore, not to oppose and to damage our spouse. Right. Um, and I want to be sure to mention this, though. Um, it's important to trust your spouse and remember that you are on the same team. In order for you to approach situations from a reconciliation standpoint as opposed from a damaging standpoint. And like to speak in more detail, I've been in situations, um, you know, maybe with former people in my life um, where I know for a fact that like before I sat down with them to address whatever conflict was in front of them, like I didn't trust them. So like I didn't trust what they were saying. I didn't trust what they were going to say based on maybe actions they have shown me previous to that. Like, and so coming with an effort to reconcile was just kind of almost impossible from the start because the trust wasn't there. I didn't feel like they were on my team. So, you know, now biblically speaking now, I do believe that we should push past our feelings, right? Just because feelings aren't fact all the time and just because you feel like you can't trust someone doesn't mean that that, that does not give you an excuse to be unloving, right? You should try to push past that. Mm-hmm. But like just like I guess fleshly um speaking, I know that it's a hard thing to come to someone in a like spirit of reconciliation when you don't trust, trust them. them. So yeah. like try to trust your spouse so that when conflicts do arise you are already in a place or disposition to approach it better yeah man don't don't bring out the big guns on your wife you know what i'm saying don't bring out the big guns on on your husband like you know that's a that's a common thing in a lot of these uh shoot 'em up video games they call it friendly fire where like you know it's like same team man don't don't shoot me right yeah it's you like- don't you don't want to fatally, or not fatally, I should say, but you don't want to emotionally scar them so so hard that you know that it, there's no coming back from that. Right. You gotta remember that it's either we win or we lose. Yeah. So you gotta remember that you're on the same team. Um, choose the right time, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's another thing. You know, when it comes to considering and being considerate with 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 regards to um these situations you need to learn to like just think about the you know I think a common one let me give you that I think examples kind of help these situate help describe these situations better than just like describing them um I mean enumerating them so like if I'm at my friend's house and there is something that is on your mind with regards to that that I have done wrong and you are feeling the urge to talk, to talk about it right then and there. That's probably you need to suppress that urge because the issue with that, and um, I've talked about this before, but the ego becomes involved when there are other people present. When it's just me and my wife, the ego—I mean, there's still going to be a little bit of ego there, but not nearly as much as when we're in public. If we were to be arguing in public. And you start showing out for company. Yeah, you start showing out for but, other people. Um, and let me tell you something, guys. Like, we are saying this because we were the couple that have has done this. Like, yeah. we have argued in front of people before. Like, you know, and not maybe not as, like, gloves off as we would if we were at 
at home, Mm -hmm. but we've definitely allowed people to see division between us before and we had to cut that out quick like we had to stop doing that yeah um so we're speaking from experience choose the right time yeah please do um try to talk in person as opposed to text uh now yeah this this is um there's there's a lot of caveats to this one right because like um you know, one thing I thought about, I thought about Paul, and I thought about, in I think it was in 2 Corinthians, I think it was chapter 10, but um, Paul says that, or it, it is stated about him from the Corinthian church that in person he is very humble, he is very gentle, but with the letters that he writes, he's very bold, and he's straightforward, straight to the point, and um I think that, that that there's something there that we can pick from that because there's a, there's a level to which sometimes when we write texts, we can cut <laughs> really deep because we just think, you know, there's no tone in text. But um, sometimes you put tone in text, you put, you put your all caps words, you know what I'm saying, to, to, really, to really drive a point home to somebody. Or maybe you just don't, maybe you don't use all caps and stuff, but you just, you say it in such a way that you know it's going to get under their skin. As opposed to when you're in front of somebody, I think there's a level to which when you see another image bearer, a human being in front of you, there's a level to which you realize, okay, I actually do need to be careful with what I say. Yeah, I guess you see like the humanness um, in that person. Yeah. And now with that being said, though, like with text, there's like a time and a place, right? Like sometimes you do need to talk in person. Like, you know, you don't have to solve this right now if you're not together. You can wait until you get together. Or, like, even if if you are together, sometimes, like, it is best to touch base after you guys have cooled down and, Mm -hmm. you know, you talk to your partner, you grab him by the hand and you say, you know, this really hurt my feelings or, you know, this has been a continuing issue, et cetera, and you kind of, you know, kumbaya that way. But there are also some times where, like, you need to take the emotion out. And if I need to text you so that you don't feel the emotion in this in this like thing I'm trying to communicate to you, yeah. then so be it. Because right. like, you know, one of the things I truly despise is like people know what they're good at. You know what I'm saying? Like people know when they're a good talker. Yep. People know when they're very charismatic. People know when because these are probably the things you fell in love with, right? And so like me, like, I know that I can hit you, I, I can level with you. I can hit you right between the eyes and tell you what you need to know, right? Right. And maybe Sam is the opposite, where he's like, I know that if I get Rochelle in person, like, I can, like, not make her as mad as she was before. I can coax her. I can coax her. I can woo her. I can bring her down from the anger that yeah. she... Yeah, and so sometimes it's like, no, we don't... We, you need to get this text without the emotion so that you know how serious I am. Yeah. Um. So it's you know you definitely have to use wisdom in that aspect. But if you can, um, do it in a healthy way. Try to talk in person. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, engage rather than declare or go in extreme detail. Please remember, all of these are about consideration. Right. Consideration. We're still on the first C here, but yeah. So you know, one thing we want to do here when it comes to uh, confronting our spouse with sin is you want to make sure that 
when you're confronting them, you're being, you're, you're engaging um, and making sure that you're not going into graphic detail on what it is that they did. Uh, the reason why we're bringing this up, one example that, that I think always comes to mind to me biblically is when Nathan uh, confronts David. Um, Nathan, in case you uh, aren't aware of the story, uh, there's a point where King David, um, the man after God's own heart, he does a horrendous sin. I mean, not yet. despicable would probably be the word. And what is it that he does? He literally sleeps with another man's wife. He then tries to get that man drunk the night before and sleep with his own wife, but he won't do it because he's loyal to his soldiers. Um, and then the next day puts him at the front line of the battle and tells his right-hand commander, says, when they, when they go forward, you pull your troops back so that it allows him to die. And that man, Uriah, died on, in the battlefield. And then after he died and, and uh, David got word of that, he took his wife Bathsheba as his own. Very, very wicked thing to do. Now, the question is, how do we get David to realize that what he did was wrong? You know, especially in, if, you're, if you're ever in leadership, it's very hard for you to realize that what you've done is wrong because who's going to tell you that what you did was wrong? You're the leader. You should know. You're the person who actually everybody is, is more, they have the tendency to be yes men to. You're the person who they're just going to go along to get along because you're the leader. So Jonathan boldly comes before David, and what does he do? Does he enumerate everything list by, I mean, point by point about what David did? No. He tells a parable, and I was thinking when I was sharing this point, I was like, am I telling the people, the listeners, to, sh to do parables every time they want to confront somebody? And no, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying, though, is that be gracious in your communication. Tell them the general point of what they've done wrong, and then they themselves, which we'll talk about later, the confession side of things, they themselves are going to be the one to enumerate explicitly what they did wrong. Right. And, um, of course, the situations are a little bit different. Like, in this scenario, you have um, a king and, and, and you his know, subject. and his subject, and you know, although there is somewhat of a hierarchy in regards to headship in marriage, um, you know, it's not the same concept. So, you know, like there's, there is an evil, even, sorry, there is an even playing field when it comes to being remorseful for sin. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, like in so, a marriage, so it, it, in, in a marriage or just if Christians per se, yeah. like, you know, it, it, it doesn't really marry it, whether you're married or not. So like, I, I want to be clear to say that whoever you are in the marriage, husband or wife, like say you're the wife, just because the husband is the head of the household, that does not mean that you should be afraid to go to him when he sins, even though he is your head. Mm -hmm. So it's a different scenario because you do have a hierarchy in regards to like um, king and servant, like we said, versus husband and wife, even though it's Somewhat, that, there, that, there are things, similarities you can draw from it, but it's also not the same thing. So don't be afraid to go to your husband yeah. or spouse um, when they have sinned because where that's concerned, we both submit to Christ. And Christ is the one who gives us our guidelines on whether we're doing things right or wrong. Yeah. So, but when you do, but what Sam's saying, the same concept applies. When you do go to them about their sin, engage rather than declare 
mm-hmm. or go into extreme detail. Like Sam said, let them figure out the the extreme, de- the detail. extreme detail of their own sin. Yeah, because as you saw when Nathan gave the analogy of, you know, someone stealing a poor, a rich man stealing a poor man's only goat, which which would be basically his livelihood. Like, it was then that David was like, oh my goodness. And he asked, he said, who is the man? He's like, the man is you. And then as soon as he said that, it was like, David was like, oh my goodness. That is me. What have I done? That's when he writes, you know, the psalm that where he, there, there's a psalm that he writes about his confession towards, um, towards, uh, towards God, because he said, against you and you only have I sinned. Right. And so, yeah. Part five of point one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> use the Bible carefully and lovingly, not spitefully. And yeah. there's a there, there's a thin line for, for this too, because of course, as Christians, like we are supposed to um, confront with scripture. It's actually best to do it that way because mm-hmm. at that point, you can't be mad at me. You're going to be mad at God. Right. But I think there's a thing that we do where we can even use the Bible in a spiteful way, like to the point where we're trying to condemn or question our partner's faith. Yeah. Um, and I think, um, you know, you got to be careful to not use the Bible spitefully, like do it in a way that is loving um, instead. Yeah. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, uh, you have uh, many different examples in which the Bible will point out sin to people, but not necessarily say, like, like the only time you see the condemnation of ultimate, like, destination, like, hey, you are going to hell, is in situations of you have, you've never repented in faith to Jesus Christ. Now, let's say, for example, um, you do have a brother, though, or a sister who has not repented of a particular sin in your marriage. But you know that they have already given their life, not given, what's the word I'm looking for? They have been converted to Jesus, to, uh, to, to, to faith and uh, repentance in Jesus Christ. When it comes to that, that person, you, you, don't, you don't say that, they're, that, oh, because they haven't repented to you yet, therefore that they're going to hell. Right. What you do is you say to them, you know, you, you convict them on their sin. Or, well, you can't necessarily convict them, but you can tell them of their sin. Uh, as gently as possible, and then you pray for them as far as their conviction, and then they themselves will be the one to, you know, deal with God on the last day if they don't repent. Right. All right, so finally, moving on to point two, confession. All right. Now, um, the question here is, where is God calling my spouse to their own responsibility for their words or behavior without excuse, and how can I help them get there? Yeah, and this is a hard one because, you know, no one likes to admit when they're wrong. Um, we say that we love being honest and humble for the Lord, um, but as soon as we face um, with, we, we face an opportunity, we're faced with an opportunity to do just that. We hate it. We don't like to confess. We don't like to say exactly what it is that we did wrong. You know, second, you can't control anyone, and sometimes you just can't see what you can't see. Um, like, if I'm trying to get Ro to see something that she can't see, um, she probably won't see the value of agreeing with me in that moment. So we know that's easier said than done, but it still must be done. Right, and um, just kind of 
breaking down that even further, um, you know, once we realize that someone is, there is an error that needs to be confessed, like get to the root of that. Um, and I think that's very big for me. Like in our marriage, I definitely want to set a precedent for that, um, like very early to where it's like, um, I'm pretty introspective and I want that to be a thing in my household. I want everyone to take accountability for their own actions. Now, granted, there are going to be times where people don't see what they've done and you have to tell them, but I want that to be fewer times than more times. And so I want my husband to be able to come to me when he has offended me before I have to come to him. I want my children to be able to say, uh, that wasn't cool. Like what I did and, and kind of do that. And so like with me, like if something has been done and, um, you know, Sam's kind of like, well, you know, I'm sorry for doing that. I'm like, okay, well, why, why, why did that happen? And then he'll, maybe he'll say something that's kind of like admitting why, but not really. Mm-hmm. And then I'd go deeper. Well, why? And and why yeah. did that happen? Until we get to the root. And he maybe he's like, okay, well, okay, the root of this is my selfishness. Or the root of this is I was tired or I was frustrated or something. And it's important to get to the root because the root is going to show the person who was offended that, okay, there's true conviction here. This is why we stated before when you're, you know, on, on it's like a dance, right? Um, on one side, the one partner is gently correcting, right? And they're not being explicit. But when it comes to the confession side, you need to be very explicit about what it is you did wrong. Right. Because if you're very explicit about what it is you did wrong, that eases the mind of the person who was offended. That, okay, even if they do this again, at least now we know what it is. Right, like... I'll give you guys an example that happened today. So like this morning before we both went to work, um, I was like, you know, Sam, can you grab this? Um, can, can you grab the, like, why haven't you picked this up? Or can you grab this or something like that? And literally I turned around and my things were in another area ex- that, and they needed to be picked up as well. And literally I said to Sam, I said, you know what? Um, me like coming at you and I didn't it, it, we it, we it, we were like laughing it wasn't like an argument or anything um but I said me even coming at you and asking you that was kind of hypocritical so I'm sorry about that like I just I just said it yeah like because it's just kind of like it's I, I think a lot of times especially in marriage and I don't know why this is like there is a lot of pride still and it's kind of like we got married we said vows we've been married for a year going on too it ain't that deep. There's no reason for me to withhold when I do you wrong. Right. I can just say it. It was hypocritical. I'm so sorry about that. Um, you know, before I um, come at you, I'm gonna take the log out of my own eye. And that's right. what I said this morning. Just, be, yeah. just because. And that 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 lets me know that she's growing in Christ. I don't have to say anything. She's growing and she's convicted on that particular issue. Now there might be other issues that me, for example, that I'm that I'm not growing in, that I need to make sure that, you know, I have a spouse who is um, going to be willing enough to first confront me on the issue and then also allow me to confess explicitly. And I, I just think that that's, that's one of the major points in, in these four C's that I really wanted to harp on. Confession, explicit confession is almost like a must in, in our relationship anyway. Because yeah. 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 the acknowledgement, everybody wants to feel... Like their feelings are being acknowledged. So, yeah. yes. 
All right, so moving on to point three, three. commitment. So, where is God? Will, where is God calling my spouse to be committed in our marriage um, to a brand new way of living, and how can I help? Yep, and so in this we have we kind of have two perspectives. We have the point from the offender and the offended. So I'm gonna let Sam talk about the offender. Okay, so the thing is that the offender is co- like remember the point is commitment, and what is the offender committing to? The offender is committing to not repeating the offense. But how often does that happen? You know, this goes right along with what we have said in previous podcasts. You signed up to walk alongside your partner and help them in their sanctification process. And this is a part of that. So, yeah. So um, how often does that happen? And what we mean by that is like, you know, okay, so you're the offender or someone who has offended you. They say, okay, I'm so sorry. I'm not going to do that again. But how often does that actually happen? That someone confesses to you and then you never, ever, ever see it present itself in your relationship with them till death do you part. Yeah. It don't happen. It it does not happen. It's very rare. And you're going to have to run that play. We we were actually given the analogy when we were talking about it before we before we uh, started recording. And the analogy was simply like it's just like a sports. It's like a sports play. Like when you first get out there, you're going to have to no matter what run. You're committing to running that play over and over until you get it right. Right. And so um the thing is, we kind of see ourselves as works in progress, but we want our spouses to pass their test immediately. Yeah. And so um, once your spouse has committed to going in a better direction, now we're going into the uh, the person that has been offended aspects of this point. Are you committed to helping your spouse along the way of that? Because there will be some technical difficulties. Like there will be things that you have to revisit. You There will be sin issues that are the same sin issues that you have to revisit until you guys get it right, like Sam was saying in regards to the sport analogy. Mm. Because people like being in their routine. And just because you have a conversation a couple times doesn't mean that your partner is going to just get it the first time time. or the second time. Um, You know, it's going to take not only just, like, practice, but it's going to take, you know, God really softening their heart. And sometimes that takes time. Yeah. It's going to take pain, too. It's going to take some pain. Because, like, at the end of the day, you know, those technical difficulties, though, that, that is the worst. Like, when you think about the better or worse that you committed to when you said, I do, at the altar, like, that's what, that, that's what part of that is. Um, it's saying that, you know, um, I am committed to even being hurt by you again. Right. Because, by the way, just in case, because some people look at that and like, these Christians, you know, sometimes they just sound like almost sociopathic with this. Like they, they're just glutton. They're glutton for yeah. They're just a glutton for punishment. They just, they're just like these, you know, battered wives who are willing to stay with these, with the person who's offending them all the time. And that's not what we're saying. But what we are saying though is that our Jesus Christ sat there and took those wounds and was beaten mercilessly all the way until death for something that he didn't do. And he suffered just like as you're, when you're with your spouse, you too suffer. And he suffered for what? He suffered so that his bride would be perfected on that last day. And that's exactly what you're doing with your partner as well. And it's funny though, like even 
whether you're a Christian or not, you do it anyway. So like it's kind of it's kind of yeah, it's true. It's it's kind of funny like to hear that you know when people consider Christians just like people who just welcome suffering and just are just are oppressed and they're just preaching you to be oppressed. It's like we both doing the same thing, right? Because yeah. even if you're a non-believer, when when you're married, you may have heard your parents say. Everyone across the board says being married for 20-something-odd years is a task. People usually stand up and clap at events when you say you've been married for oh, plus 20 yeah. years because it's a big achievement, non-believers included. Non-believers know that marriage is not easy. We just have a hope or, or, or um, something to look forward to and a reason for some of the suffering yeah. and hope is the right and, word and, and 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 yeah like i said a hope and and non-believers don't have that but we doing the same thing yeah. <laughs> like you 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 may be coming at me saying that oh you know we just value oppression but i don't see you leaving your spouse either so i guess you value it too <laughs> so so you know we we're both doing the same thing no need yeah. to um no need to try to make us seem like two different people because we're not. Yep. Um, um, besides the Christ that differentiates us. So what's the last the last C? Change. Change. Now, this was one of those ones that it's it's a it's a really kind of straight to the point type of. Yeah, so so what will these new commitments look like in our reality as a couple? So you've been considerate, confession has been made, um, commitment has been established and communicated. So now we are into change, right? And this is a big one because it's practical living. And if you've listened to any of our podcasts, you know that I'm all about practicality. Why? Mm -hmm. Because after you listen to this or any other marriage podcast, you actually have to go home and do the work. Like you actually have to be married, you know, like after you turn this off. And so this is where you have to get your hands dirty. And this is where you see fruit in your marriage. And so I love the practical point of our podcast. So, yep. Yeah. I mean, the way I, I don't remember exactly what the quote was that Paul Tripp said, but the way I took it anyway was that without change, there is no change. It's really as straightforward <laughs> as that. Very simple. It's very simple. It's, I mean, it's to the point. And it's one of those things that's just like, if you follow those things that we've stated so far, and and by the way, there's a reason why this was said last, but if you follow the things we said, if you, um, if you are considerate, you're confessing, if you're committed, then naturally out of that, the next action after you've done all that mental work, you are now at the stage of action. It's no longer just theoretically in your mind. It should be coming out in your actions and the way that you do life with your partner. And, you know, there's another reason why we left this for last is because there is a tendency on this to become legalistic. Um, where you there, there's sometimes people they just want to they want to skip forward to number four, and they just want to change without knowing the motivating factors for why people change in the first place. Because you can easily just you know do what I remember as a teenager I did this. You just pretend like you you know have the inner you know conviction to do X Y and Z, and you act like you're the good suburban schoolboy or whatever like that. But really, there was no change because when you went, when you got out of, when you got out of high school and went to college, and you was acting like a heathen, 
clearly you didn't really take any of that stuff that you was talking about, you know, in church. You you wasn't really taking it serious. Or even uh, sooner than that, you were probably in high school, you know, doing things while your parents were around. But as soon as you got around your boys in high school, yep. you switched it up. Switched it up, exactly. And, and we learn how to do the change, but we do it superficially. But... The reason why we put this last is because all those those mental exercises that we've been talking about, that is what leads to true change, lasting change, change that is going to actually get you to 20, 30, 40 years of marriage. And this is what has been taught to us by the people who have been married 20, 30, 40 years. They've taught us that, you know, it starts with these mental, with these, with, 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 with a lot of these mental exercises that, that are causing you to now be convicted on an internal level that then externally manifest themselves in change. Right. Definitely, definitely. Um, You want to get from a place of knowledge to actually doing something. And I think that's why we walked you through it the way we did and put the things in the order, the C's in the order um, that we put them in. And so, yeah, um, be considerate. Um, you know, remember that you guys are on the same team, um, confess when you're wrong, um, commit to just being better and then actually show that you are truly committed with your actions. Um, those things are going to be vital. Those are things that we have learned in our marriage, um, that we, you know, still fail at from time to time, but we've gotten so much better. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. like... Like, it, we've gotten so much better, and, you know, the people who, you know, we look to for encouragement, like, who have seen us maybe in our first year of marriage, like, they're more able to say, like, I see the fruit in you, in you guys. Like, I find more people saying that to us, and it's great to hear because it's just kind of like, um, we're still newlyweds, and we're still fresh and, you know, ripe and just kind of young in this marriage thing. And so just to, like, see that it does get better or, Mm -hmm. like, you know, God does work through the both of you. Um, And we all go at different paces and we all have different strengths and opportunities for growth. But just to see, like, that beautiful culmination of like you know yeah. your the both of your fruit making turning into this beautiful garden yeah <laughs> um it's just something that you know you just can't beat it exactly i mean at the end of the day you don't want to be following god's word and it come back void and god's word has not returned void in our lives and um you know we've we like like she said we've seen the fruit and it's uh it's it's very encouraging right Alrighty, guys. Well, that's all we have for you this week. Of course, we'll be back next week with another podcast. Um, can't wait to talk to you soon. Um, all right, listen to this. Um, let us know if you loved it. Again, subscribe and share this podcast to everyone that you know, even your dogs. All right, we'll be back <laughs> to do it again next week, guys. All right, bye.